0: You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Why don't you take your seats, and while you're doing that, get your Bibles out and open them up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to continue on in our series, Grounded, as we go through this book. And today we want to take a look at the topic of walking in holiness. And as as Paul looks at it, and he takes the... uh, this church through this letter down a pathway to holiness. Um, How did he describe it and what did it look like and what should they be doing as a result of of hearing from him and hearing from um, the word of God? you know, learning to walk is an interesting thing, and uh, you don't remember doing this, but at one point you were kind of laying on the floor, rolling around, maybe crawling a little bit, and, and then you were looking, and everybody else was in a different position than you. Uh, they were all um, vertical, and you were horizontal. And you thought, it's, it's got to be better than what I'm doing, and so you decided, I'm going to get up on my feet like everybody else does. I've always wondered, you know, you take a look at a, at a baby, and there's a couple things about babies. First of all, they're totally disproportionate. Their heads are way too big for their bodies, and uh, their feet are way too small for their bodies. And by the time they start to walk, you wonder how do they move around on those little stubs, but they manage to do it. And uh, I'm convinced that diapers have two purposes. One of them I'm not going to explain to you. You already know. And uh, if you need that explanation, ask the person you came with. But the second purpose, I believe, for diapers is for padding. And uh, because kids are learning to walk and they get up and they stumble and they fall and they land right on their rear end and they get up and they go again. If, if you were to fall that many times and land, you wouldn't walk. And so um, so I think that's a practical use for diapers and what they're for. And so th- these kids, they're learning how to walk. And um, if you've ever gone through an accident um, where you uh, had to uh, um, a cast on and when i broke my ankle i remember when they took the cast off and they said start to walk and at first i was always looking down at my feet and 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 the uh, the uh therapist was like why, why are you looking at your feet you never used to look at your feet when you walked right and i had to learn to trust my ankle again and i had to learn to walk as it were again and see walking is uh it's pretty foundational to what we do as people and uh The Bible uses walking as a picture um, lots of times. And Paul is going to talk about the believer's walk and and what it should look like. And that's what we want to examine this morning. So you got your Bibles open. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as we uh, read from his word. And I'm going to start at uh, chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 8. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, and that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Let's pray. Father, we... Again, thank you for this precious word that we hold in our hands and uh, realize that it's been protected uh, for us to instruct us and help us and guide us and lead us as we uh, seek to live lives uh, for your glory as followers of Jesus Christ. So uh, teach us from your word today. If we need to hear a hard thing today, Lord, then allow us to hear it with ears that are willing to hear. and. If we need to be um, corrected or admonished or rebuked in something today, Lord, then uh, give us a willingness to set aside our own agenda, but rather seek for the glory of you, almighty God. And uh, Father, uh, for encouragement from your word, knowing that you use these things to uh, uh, draw us close to yourself and grow us in grace. And so, Lord, take your word, use it powerfully in our lives for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you. You can take your seats. Ahem. <clears throat> Paul has just finished, at the end of the first uh, three chapters, a, a whole session about, section about exhortation and reflection, and he finishes up this last chapter, we we're talking about praying for them, there were lots of things we looked at last week and saw how we ought to pray and uh, using him as the example, and, and now he moves on in the rest of the book and really moves to the, a place of instruction. He does this in lots of places in Scripture. To me, the greatest illustration of it is in the, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 to 3 are about exhortation and praying for them, and you come to chapter 4, and there's this transition, and he, he moves to instruction. Well, he basically does exactly the same thing here, and um, in this piece, he's teaching the people about walking in holiness, and so we just want to walk through the text today and just see what the Bible says about these things, and so here's the first thing we want us to see. Grounded walking in holiness is a walk of obedience, Walking in holiness is a walk of obedience. Look what it says in verses 1 and 2. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more, that you do so more and more for you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And so he starts out this chapter with the words finally then. Now, if I was to preach this message, and um, so the book's five chapters long, and at the end of section three of the message, I said, finally, and then went on for two more chapters, you'd go like, that wasn't a finally, Pastor. You tricked us. We thought we were coming to an end. We thought we were going to get out of here, and now we're not going to get out of here because apparently you have a lot more to say. Um, That's not the idea of what finally means here. Uh, Paul has come into the place of transition in the book. It's not the closing of the letter, but literally it means as for the rest, as for the rest. And so I've kind of prepared the way, we've talked about your walk in faith, I've talked about how I'm praying for you, and now comes the as for the rest. And here's the instruction that uh, you need to hear. And he starts out in that instruction and he says, "Uh, Then brothers, we ask and urge you. We ask and urge you, or we ask and exhort you. Uh, These are not passive words that he's using. It's not like just kumbaya as we go along. He's like, sit up, take note, because what I'm about to say is pivotal in your life, and you don't want to miss this. It's critical for you to hear this word. And so there's a weightiness to what he's saying. There's an urgency to what he's saying. There's a, you need to get this, you need to get this right. He says, how then, how you ought to walk. I'm going to tell you now how you ought to walk. He goes on, he says, not that you're not doing it, but I want to help you so you can do it more. And so the message today for us is how we ought to walk. It's not a passive thing. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, if you want to try it on, you can try it on. But if you don't want to try it on, don't bother trying it on. It's much, much stronger than that. This is what you ought to do if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't stop there. He says, this is how you ought to walk and to please God. And to please God. See, we don't go through the motions for the sake of going through the motions, but rather the lives we live in Jesus Christ, that the obedience that we have in our walk is so that we will and can, we will please God. Did that thought even cross your mind as you were living your life out in the last week? How is my life pleasing to God? Remember in the Old Testament, you used to talk about the offerings were a fragrant aroma. They were a fragrant aroma to the Lord. Was your life a fragrant aroma to the Lord? Did you even think this week about the way I'm living, it ought to please God? See, I think sometimes we want to please the boss or please our spouse or please our kids or please the man, and but ultimately the goal is to please God. And our disobedience needs to get that focus. Let me tell you something. As we get to what he wants to talk about in this text today, if we don't get back to this as the foundation, we lose all hope. We lose the, uh, the passion, the desire. We lose the ability to get to what God calls us to do because our first and foremost priority in our life is to be people of God whose desire is to please God. You ought to walk. You ought to walk in ways that are pleasing to God. God. Twice in the first verses, first two verses, he appeals to them in the name of Jesus. This isn't just his idea. This is because of what Christ has done. This is because of what Christ has accomplished for us. This is why we live like we live. You ought to walk. It's not a suggestion. There's urgency. What is the walk of the believer? You know, the Bible says a lot about the walk of the believer, and uh, if you have a Thompson Chain reference Bible at home, you can look it up, and uh, the walk of the believer, and it gives you like eight different things that make up a walk of a believer. And, uh, and so I'm going to go through them really quick today, just some things that you can see. So you see this is repetitive, and it's important, and it's laid out strongly in Scripture. Um, here's the first one. It's a, the walk of believer is a walk in new life. Um, In Romans 6, 4, it says, we were buried therefore with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness This is the only one I'm going to really zero in on this morning. I'm going to give you all the rest of them, but we need to walk in newness of life. What does that mean? Well, we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we have a new life. The old is gone, and the new has come. Uh, That's what God's Word teaches us. Uh, That's as a result of what Christ has done. That's a result of the work that He did. That's why Paul cries out twice, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, what you need to do, you need to do because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You want to please God? We please God because it's so awesome what he's done because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Jesus Christ who came to the earth Jesus Christ who lived the exemplary, perfect, sacrificial type of life. Jesus Christ who went to the cross. Jesus Christ who paid for your sin that you couldn't pay for yourself. Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. Jesus Christ who sits on the right hand of God making intercession for you. Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, who? Jesus Christ. We'll have new life. That's the foundation. And that's our hope. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in Christ alone for your salvation, then the question is, then how is that affecting your walk? How much time is spent in my life and in your life wondering and pondering, what would God have me to do? And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, it's the starting point. It's the place of understanding our separation from God and our hopelessness without him and our sinfulness and I can't ever attain to what God would desire for me in myself. It's all been accomplished for me in Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. It's a transfer of your trust from I thought I had it all figured out and I could get there on my own to understanding I can't, God did it, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. The walk of the believer is a walk of new life. It's a walk of faith, 2 Corinthians 5.7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. You can write these reference down. It's a spiritual walk, Galatians 5.16. But I say walk by the Spirit. You don't do this in your own strength, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The reason that we are so caught up in so many things in our society today is because we don't walk by the Spirit but rather we gratify the flesh. Walk consistently, Ephesians 4.11. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. It's a walk of love, Ephesians 5.2. A walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. It's a cautious and a careful walk, Ephesians 5. Uh, 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. It's a walk that illuminates uh, 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light, he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's a walk of Christ likeness. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, First John 2, 6 and in Colossians 2, 6, therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. A walk. That's, that's what would Jesus do bracelet right there. That's Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. And it's a walk in truth. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, uh, just as we were commanded uh, by the Father. See, we're called to a walk. And we're called to a walk that's filled with submission. It's a walk of, Lord, I'm going to do what you call me to do, what your word sets out for me to do. That's what I want to do. That's what he's calling them to. He does it with urgency. This is how you ought to walk. You do it to please God. It's a walk of obedience. Here's the second thing. It's a walk in the will of God. It's a walk in the will of God. Look at uh, chap- chapter 4, verse 3, the first part. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Lots of discussions happen about what's the will of God for my life. Uh, people want to know like what school should I go to or, or um, who should I marry or what job should I take or what ministry should I get in, engaged in or, or what should I do with my money. What's the will of God for me in those things? And I think those are good discussions and I think those are important things, but I think they missed the big point of what God really wants from us. See, I think there are some things if we are doing them, those things will become obvious to us. I think sometimes believers are like, well, you know, if I ask God for his will, like God's gonna be a joy killer for sure. If I want to do it and I pray, God's gonna go, "Eh, you're not doing that. how do we know the will of God? How do we find God's will? He says, this is the will of God for you. So I got uh, a number of things. You can write them down, and then we want to zero back into what he was talking about. How do we find God's will? Here's the first thing. You find God's will when you walk with God. You find God's will when you walk with God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. We walk with God. You want to know God's will? God's word is God's will. You see, we so often get caught up in the what school should I go to or where should I spend my money or what should what should I do and we lose sight of the reality here. You want to know God's will? Here it is. What is there that God's laid out for you in his word and right now as I say it, you're like, oh, I'm not doing that. Well, that's God's will for your life. It's clear. It's easy. I was sitting at my desk working this week and uh, I don't know if this came because I read it somewhere or the Lord gave it to me, but um, I'd encourage you to write it down as you think about the will of God. I I wrote down this. God's will is found in the journey of the word and much prayer. God's will is found in the journey of the word and much prayer. If, if, you're, if you're out there going, I, I need to know God's will for this. I need to know what God has for me. I need to know what God wants me to do about this. And that happens all the time. And, and you talk to people, well, how much time are you spending in God's word? How much time are you spending in prayer? No, 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 I don't want to know that. I want to know what God's will for my life is. Yeah, but how much time are you spending in God's word? How much time are you being bathed in God's word? How much time are you in your face before God crying out to him, Lord, show me your will. You see, if you're spending time in God's word and you're spending time before the throne of grace in prayer, God will make those other decisions very clear for you. They're not going to be a difficult thing. The person who is who is struggling with God's will so often are struggling with it because they're not focused towards God in, in what they're doing and where they're headed and this is the will of God. He says in the text one thing, and we'll see it in a second. But this is the will of God. How do you know it? You know it by getting into God's word and getting on your face before God in prayer. How else do you know God's word? Well, you or God's will. You know God's will when you are surrendered to God's will. When 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 you legitimately are before God, going, Lord, I want what you want. That's what I want a life that's pleasing to God is not a life that says, God, I want what I want. I want your will on my terms. The will of God is, God, I want what you want. I'm surrendering what you want. I believe God gives us the, the, th- the things that we desire in our heart. We'll see that in a second, but with have to surrender to what God wants. I, I appeal to you, brothers, before the Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You want to know the will of God? You obey what you already know God's will to be. If you want God to reveal more to you, then what is it he's already revealed to you and you're not doing it now? Why is God going to give you more when you're not doing the things he's already told you to do? He's already made it clear what you you already know in your heart what the right thing is. Here's here's another one. It's a practical one. We know God's will when we seek godly input. You notice I use the word godly. I didn't just say input because if you've got some dream you want to do, you can find a wacko somewhere who will support you in what you want to do. But what are godly people saying to you? What are the people who you have accountability saying to you? So often we hear people when when they come in and they're talking about counseling and all the rest and, and, and they're out there just trying to gather all the people's information around so they'll find people who will agree with them. No, no, what do godly people say? And when you have a desire in your heart, what do those around you who you love and trust and will take you to the word and will tell you that's a bad idea or what do they say? That's how you know God's word will. Pay attention to how God has wired you. That's another thing. I, I love First Peter four ten. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The way God has made you, your natural bent towards things. Don't don't think that God is a killjoy. If I want it, He's not going to let me have it just so that He can beat me down and humble me. And no, no. How has God gifted you? And when you put them in in order under these other things, that's a very legitimate thing for you to to think about. Listen to God's spirit. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, John 10, 27 says. Here's another one. Listen to your heart. I don't lead with your heart, but listen to your heart. Psalm 37, 4 and 5 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. And take a look at the circumstances around you, Philippians 4.11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Look at the circumstances around you. And so there are lots of things in our lives where we need direction from God and we need help from God and we need to know the will of God. And those are some tools that can be helpful for you. But I got to tell you, if you're not in prayer and you're not in word, don't expect to get clarity and don't expect to move forward with confidence in what God has called you to. But in this book, uh, Paul talks about two things specifically when he talks about the will of God. And so if the Bible says, this is the will of God, you don't have to pray about that. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to wonder, is this the will of God? because it is. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. It's clear. And so if you're not a person in prayer, then you're not a person who's in the will of God. We're going to come to that later on when we get to that part of the book. Today, we're in chapter 4, and he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification Hey, church, this is what God wants for you. God wants you to be sanctified. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's the word holy. It's the word set apart. God wants you to be different. God wants you to stand out in ways that people look at you and they go, that person's different than all of the other people that I rub shoulders with as as I go through my life. And they can see in you a difference. Why? Because that's the will of God. Does God want you to stand out? Does God want you to be different? Does God want you to be holy? You don't have to pray about that. The answer is yes. It's clear. It's in God's word. And it's what he desires for us what he wants for us I love that uh, Jesus wrote this sanctify them in the truth your word is truth so you want to know how to be sanctified you you got to be in the book if you're not in the book you're not being sanctified because God's Word will sanctify you I it's a cool thing about sanctification because sometimes new believers, they get saved and, and they're like, I, I've got so much to learn. i got so much to learn. And you talk about sanctification, I'm so far behind. I, I wished I met Jesus when I was 10 instead of when I was 40. How do I catch up on this? Well, sanctification is a progressive thing. Salvation is an act of God that happens when you put your trust in Christ. Glorification will be a moment when, a, when we go and be with the Lord. But sanctification is a process. Sanctification is us changing with the help of God's Spirit moving forward in our walk. You've heard me say this. If you've heard it once, you've heard it a hundred times. I'm not what I will be. I'm not even what I should be yet. But I'm not what I was. Right? That's sanctification. I'm not what I'm going to be. I'm not even yet what I should be because I see areas in my life, I see the rough spots, I know the things I'm working on, but I'm thankful to God that I'm not what I was. That's sanctification. That's God's grace. That's his working, and that's what Paul is calling us to, that we'd be a people of God who would walk in the will of God. This is the will of God, your Sanctification, what priority is that in your life? What focus is there in your life for that? Not that it saves you. It doesn't save you. Salvation happened as an act back here when you put your trust in Christ. But as a result of that act and as a result of that working of God and as a result of being a person who desires to please God with their lives, we live our lives differently. They need to stand out. They need to be different. And then Paul lasers in in this text into one thing. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Yeah, I wish he just kind of ended it there. Can't we all just grow up in Jesus and love him more? And and then he takes them, and um, not necessarily because this was an area in their lives that they were failing in. Because in the first part of the book, he goes, you're growing in this, you're doing these things. But it was an area that was important in their day. He says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. What? Here's your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. Where'd that come from? Isn't my sanctification about reading the Bible and praying and isn't my sanctification about being holy and witnessing to people? Isn't my, yeah, it's all of those things. But Paul lasers in on this. You know, sometimes I think we we wonder whether they had, we, we take into God's Word and we're bringing it into 2018 and is it applicable to us today? Uh, he lasers right into today. See, the problems that the Thessalonians faced were the problems that the Corinthians faced and that's where he was writing this from and they're the problems that we face. This is the will of God, your sanctification that you would abstain that you would abstain from sexual immorality and so the point is we're grounded in a walk in holiness is a walk that says no it's a walk that says no positively it's about our sanctification being set apart from sin unto God Uh, but negatively or the negative picture of it is that we say no we live in a world that is so sexually charged. And I'm not speaking to the men alone. I think that was the way traditionally so much of this was taught even in the church. That what I'm, talk- what I'm about to talk to you about is for men. It's, it's for everybody in this room. Because we all face exactly the same challenges every day of our lives. And if you deny you face it, either you're a liar, which you probably are. Or God's giving you a victory in this because you used to struggle with this. Or hold on tight because it's coming. This is the will of God. You're set apart. This is the will of God that you would live a life that's pleasing to God. This is the will of God that you would abstain from sexual immorality. You probably faced it today before you got to church. Maybe, maybe you turned your TV on and you saw something that was enticing or you walked through the mall and you see advertisements all over the place or it's all over, it's rampant, it's everywhere. You find yourself in front of your computer after your spouse has gone to bed. You, you have stuff put away that no one else can see and where your mind plays through things over and over and over again. And Paul says, here's the cry. Be set apart. Say no to sexual immorality. It's God's will. He talks about the Gentiles. This is what the Gentiles do. This is just the way they were. In their pagan religion, um, their pagan religion did not demand sexual purity of those who followed it. As a matter of fact, the gods and goddesses were grossly immoral. The priestesses were in the temple, and and they were there to service the men. And so he's calling them to something that maybe they had never thought about before, and it was a a call to purity and a, a call to holiness. The Roman Empire was filled with sin. And so if it's like, well, no, but, but they don't understand because what, what they, it's, it's different today. It's different and it's the same. And Paul's cry to us is to deal with this in our lives. We have to learn to say no to ungodliness. Why? Because I want to please God. And so what is the word he uses? The word he uses the, uh, from the Greek word is the word porneia. It's where we get our word pornography. In the King James Version, they use the word fornication. It's talking about premarital sex. It's talking about extramarital sex. It's talking about homosexuality. It's talking about sexual or sexual activity outside of the law. See, sex is an amazing thing. It was made by God. And it was made for us to enjoy in marriage between a man and a woman. And when you take it and you steal it and you put it somewhere else, God's saying, stop it. So much of the weakness and struggle in the church and it's because of this thing. It's not the only thing, but this thing. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, Pastor, could you just get on to the rest of the message? Can you leave this alone? No, I can't because this is God's word and it's what he says. And, and Paul's like, I want to teach you about being sanctified. And here, here it is. Here's the laser. Get this fixed in your life. Get this right in your life. See, sexual sin is different than other sins because of the effect it has on other people. In the text, he's uh, talking about, it says, take responsibility for yourself. It says that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. If you're sneaking around your house after your spouse goes to bed, or you've got this place and you got your computer set up so nobody can see it, or take responsibility for yourself. I've talked about, take your computer out, put it in the driveway, and drive over it. Okay, but that doesn't really solve the problem because you'll find another way. If your heart doesn't change, if you don't get the priority right, if you don't get this fixed, it's not going to get solved. Think about the damage that these things are doing in our homes to our children. If your kids knew what you did, could they still respect you? If your spouse knew what you were looking at or what you were thinking about, think about the devastation there. Now think about the testimony of your, your, uh, the gospel witness in your life to a world. When the God of your life is really sexuality and not pleasing God, and I absolutely believe we need to have accountability in these things, and I absolutely believe that uh, we need to um, have protection of these things. There needs to be protection on your computer. There need to be people who can, my computer, Sue has the passwords, uh, guys in our office know the passwords, and they come and look at my computer whenever they want. I, I gave my computer to Kenneth the other day. Out he went to do whatever, he, he could have looked to see whatever he wanted to see on my computer. That guy knows more about what's on my computer. When I need help, I go to my people, and he's my people because I'm not worried about what they're going to find. Take care of yourself. But we've got to get the focus onto the right thing. See, I think what happens most often is, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm not going to do this anymore. That needs to be part of what we do. But this needs to be about pleasing God this needs to be about God's glory. This needs to be able to focus on who He is. It doesn't matter what the sin is, but, but it's the illustration He gives. And if sexual sin, whatever form it is, whether it's pornography or adultery or uh, sex out of uh, uh, just blatant sex, which, I can tell you this for sure 99.9999999. You're not in God's Word. You're not in prayer. If you're focused in God's word and you're focused in God's prayer, this thing is not going to be the problem it is in your life. But it's pushed prayer aside. It's pushed the word aside. Your desire is not to please God. Your desire is to please man. And so Paul says, this walk says no. This walk it says no. Take responsibility for yourself and take responsibility for others. It says that no one transgress and wrong his brother. Well, what do I do if I've fallen in this? Where do I go from here? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and this is before you right now, you know, there's an interesting group of people who have to deal with this in their lives, and it's people who didn't know any better. You're like what do you mean? They didn't know any better. They they, they weren't saved, and they got saved, and nobody taught them. They just don't know. Uh, we've got a couple that are now up in uh, Newmarket. The first time they came to our church, they sat right there, and uh, she came up afterwards and uh, told me how she came to Christ, and and she was pregnant, and beside her was her boyfriend, the father of their son. And my my mind's going like 500 miles an hour because they're living together. She's pregnant. They love Jesus. And we got talking to them and Sue asked her, so when are you getting married? She didn't have any idea. She didn't know. They um, moved apart. They are now married. God is working in their lives. Maybe that's your story. You're like, I've never heard this before. God calls us to purity. And God calls us to purity so that our focus to be on him. And if you don't know, then you need to study God's word. You need to know God's word. You need to respond to God's word. You need to do what God's word says. But that might be the one person in the room. The rest of the people in the room, we know better. We know what God's called us to And quite frankly, we just want what we want more than we want what God wants. We want to please ourselves more than we want to please God. And we got to get that right. And it comes when we say no, when we repent and confess. We cry out to God with the woefulness of our lives and we turn and we move in a new direction. But not to try harder. If you don't change your heart, you won't change the activity. If you don't get the focus changed to this is what God wants for me. Somehow we think this whole area is something that God doesn't see, that God sees it all, but we don't care. God, help us to change our heart out of the working of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what He has done for us, that it's going to be different. It's going to be different. I'm going to have accountability. I'm going to put guards on my stuff. I'm going, to do, I'm going to do whatever it takes. But Lord, this time it's going to be different because this is about your fame. This is about your glory. This, I want to please you in my life. When you want to please God in your life, this will no longer be a problem. Not that, not that, that rules your life. But, uh, cheating in your business and cutting corners and all those other. They, they become clear when God is the priority. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. I'm going to get it right. You're sitting in the room right now. You're like, yeah, I need to deal with this. I, I, I think I'm going to start working on this. No, 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 no. Right now, I'm going to get this right. No, but when I get home, I'm going to think about, no, right now. Lord, you haven't been on the throne in this area. But I've wanted what I want. It is so selfish. We heard a message uh, the men are at it was talking about the glory, and we want the glory. Uh, the men are at a retreat this weekend, and we heard a message on this. We want the glory for ourselves. That's what this is. It's self glorify, self glorification. And God's like, it's not about your glory. It's about my glory. God help us with that. Two more things, real quick. Grounded walking in holiness is a walk of discipline. It's a walk of discipline. We see it in verses six and seven that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand, and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity but in in holiness. There's a walk of discipline. There's a a walk that's sanctifying here. There's a walk where we being set apart. There's it's a walk that's made up of vertical growth. If you don't get your eyes fixed on the Lord in this you're not going to have victory over it. You might know it's wrong. You might know it's going to hurt the feelings of your spouse. You might uh, of, your, of your kids and your spouse. You might know other people are going to be... If you don't get the vertical piece fixed you'll never get this fixed. It's a disciplined walk that gets God in the focus. It's also a Observable growth. They demonstrate to a hopeless world there's there's a, a horizontal piece to this. You know, one of the things that Sue do, Sue and I do, it's just a very practical thing, is um, we go to bed at the same time. And I realize some people work shifts. I go, this may not work for you, and it can't, but, but most people can. Well, no, I got to stay up and watch the news. No, you don't. I need to stay up and do it. No, you don't. You want to do it, and you know where it takes you. You want what you want. You want self-glorification more than you want God to be glorified. And so just about every night, we go to bed at the same time. Our telephones stay downstairs. If you die between midnight and 7 a.m., they might have a hard time getting me. But you won't care. Our phones don't go up beside us in our room. And whenever, if ever her iPad comes up with her, because it's not fair, eh? we go to bed at the same time, and 30 seconds later, I'm asleep, right? That's just the way it is in our house, and it's not the same for Sue. But she's right there, she's wandering off. And if she's up in the night, she tells me what she did. And if I'm up in the night, I tell her what I'm going to do. See, there's a the vertical piece to this and the discipline is before God. The horizontal piece is this piece of accountability to each other. And then there's that inward part of your own heart. If, if your heart doesn't want to do this, you need to take a good look at your heart. Because um, that leads us really to the next point, the last point. A grounded walking in holiness is a walk with serious implications. Look at uh, verse 8 verse 7 and 8, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit. Four things, very quickly, I want you to see. Four reasons for sexual purity. Here's the first one. Because the Lord is the avenger of these things. That's what the text says. The Lord is the avenger of these things. We can trust that God will punish sexual immorality and that no one gets away with it. No one gets away with this sin. Even if it appears to be undiscovered right now, you don't get away with this. And God is the avenger of this. So do you want to please God? Or do you want to wait until he's the avenger of this? Because it's coming. It's coming. That's the first reason. Here's the second reason. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. God hasn't called us to be like the world. God has called us to be different from the world. God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And then listen to this one. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God. You want to play around with this? You want to ignore this church? You want to, yeah, pastor, thanks for coming. I, maybe, maybe next week's message will be nicer because it's more about love. And um, If you disregard this, Paul's saying, Paul's saying, you're not disregarding me. Who am I? You're disregarding God. And so as I say it, I'm telling you, would I be disappointed? Would I be hurt? Doesn't even matter. You disregard God when you disregard this thing in your life. You don't want to be on that side of the equation. You don't want to be on the side of the equation where God's calling you to purity and you're putting yourself under lookout because I'm going to avenge this, God's saying, not me. God is saying, I'm going to do this. You're not disregarding man. You're disregarding a holy God who we're called to please in what we do and how we live out our lives. Oh, God, help us that we never find ourselves in that place. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like, oh, my goodness. I got to get this dealt with. Why would God even love me? I have failed so many times. See, the purpose of this message is that we also understand that God is a God of love and God is a God of grace and God is a forgiving God. And, and there may be ramifications coming out of what we've done, but, but it's not a case of God's here ready to beat you up and kick you out the door. God loves you. I love this. It's the fourth thing. It's the, uh, the fourth reason for sexual purity. God gives his Holy Spirit to us. That's grace. That's grace. So even in the midst of our darkness, even in the midst of our struggle, God's Holy Spirit is there. God's Holy Spirit is there to convict us, and God's Holy Spirit is there to help us, and God's Holy Spirit is to work through us, and God's Holy Spirit is there so we can have victory in this. See, this is not a message only about take a look at your heart and get this right. This is a message about a gracious and loving God. You can't fix this on your own. This is fixed as a follower of Christ. When when you invite God to be part of the team, when God's Holy Spirit is invited to work in you and through you and with you to do this with a focus on him, God is so gracious. God is so gracious. And with God's help, we can have victory in this. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you would please God by abstaining from sexual immorality. Well, so what? Galatians 5.16, I read it earlier in the message, but I say walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you get your focus on the Lord, when you get your passion on seeing God, when you get your passion on pleasing God, when you are spending time in the Word, when you are spending time in prayer, when you're crying out to God, help me with this, I cannot do this on my own. When we walk by the Spirit, we won't want to gratify the desires of the flesh. Titus 2.11 and 12 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Because of who God is, say no. Because of who God is, confess your sin. Because of who God is, repent. Because of who God is, put things in place so you stay away from this sinfulness, that your prayers are not hindered, and that God can work in us and through us for his glory. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. Thank you for it. It's a heavy word today, but it's your word. It's just the next verses. Father, I pray that as we hear them, we would understand that they were written to instruct the Thessalonians in 50 or 60 AD, and they are absolutely true and relevant to us today. Teach us, Father, that we would have a passion to be more like Jesus Christ. We would be people who have one desire, and that is to please you. And we get our eyes set on that, we get our eyes set on that, then we're not distracted by so many other things around us. Do this work, God, I pray. Do it in me, do it in us, do it for your glory.